What's going on, 1130? How are you guys doing today? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're joining us uh, here today. Can we also give it up for all of our family that's watching with us online on our YouTube? Man, we love you guys. We, we miss you guys. Man, we're so glad you're joining us online here today. We are in a series that we've been in over the last couple of weeks called Rattle, and we're talking about how do you handle life when it seems like everything around you is shaking and rattling, and you don't really know where am I going to found find a firm foundation in this season because we've been talking about it. it's not a, a matter of if life is going to send one of those seasons to you it's a matter of when you're going to experience that kind of season and what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks is we have been studying the book of James and we've been learning some secrets about how do we stand firm when everything in life seems to be shaking and the thing about the book of James is it's probably one of the most relevant and practical books in all of the Bible and so he gives us some really really keen insight on how do we do that. And we, we talked about in week one that there are going to be seasons of your life where it, the Bible actually says that they were being scattered and it was kind of a season of chaos. And I believe that there are some things that we can learn from James in this season. And so I have got a lot to share today. In fact, I would say I have more to share than I do have time. And so here's what I'm going to need for you to do. I'm going to need you to grab those notes that are on your seats. Go ahead and take those out for all of you note takers and get ready to take some notes. For those of you that are not note takers, why don't you go ahead and grab that and get ready to take some notes because uh, we're going to dive in here today. And I'm just going to forewarn you that today's message is probably going to be one of those messages that is uh, probably the most difficult one for us to digest in this series, and so uh, I, I want you to know that in advance, but here's what I also know, that while it may di be difficult to digest, I think that if we allow God to work in our lives, it will actually probably be the most impactful message at, in the entire series. So we're gonna dive in, James chapter one, starting in verse 26, it says this, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. James is subtle in the way that he approaches things, isn't he? <laughs> like, like James, James is like, hey, I'm gonna soften the blow for you. Like, if you can't control your tongue, you suck. That's basically what he's saying. Like, he just, he just, he just goes straight in. And so today, what we're gonna be talking about is we're gonna be talking about the power of our words and the power of our tongue. And here's what James says. Listen, you can claim to be religious. You can go to church every week. You can read your Bible every day. You can go to connect groups during the middle of the week. You can sing all the songs that we sing. You can even serve on a dream team. But if you can't control this little thing that's inside your mouth, your faith or your religion is worthless. Wow. James, you're kind of harsh. And honestly, church, I can't think of a more relevant message for us in the season of life that we're in because if we can't control our tongues, what are we saying to the entire world? I'm talking about us as Christ followers. The, the people that are supposed to be different. He's saying, man, if you're not any different, if you don't sound any different, if you talk the same way as everybody else, worthless. So we're gonna dive right into it. This is gonna be fun. Are you guys all excited about this? 
yay. You know, it's like, everybody that's watching online right now, they're like, I'm going to turn this off, okay. <laughs> I don't need to hear any of this. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so we're going to talk about this, and James is trying to get us to, to understand some things. Number one, if you're taking notes today, which you should be, my words will lead my life. My words will lead my life. The first thing James teaches us, James chapter three, verse, verse three, you can make a large horse go wherever you want by means of a small bit in its mouth and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. He's saying this little thing can make a big difference in where you go in life. He's, he says this little thing in your mouth is gonna determine direction, is gonna determine your course, just like a, a, a small bit in a horse's mouth will turn a big horse whatever direction that bit takes it, and just like a, a small rudder on a large ship will direct that ship, your tongue, what it will do is it will lead your Life. Let me say it like this. You are often living out the words that you have spoken in your life. For others of you, it's not the words that have been spoken to you. It's the words that have been spoken over you. That you're living out. Why? Because words are powerful things. If you walk around your entire life saying, I can't. I won't, I'll never be able to. You know what? You can't, you won't, and you'll never be able to. Why? Because your words will lead your life. And a lot of us are living out those words that have been spoken over us that you're never gonna amount to anything. You're never gonna accomplish that. For some of us, it has nothing to do with the words that we've spoken or the words that have been spoken to us. It has everything to do with the words that are rattling around our mind that never come out. You know, the negative self-talk that we're hearing within ourselves all of the time. And James says, man, our words will lead our life. In fact, you can go back into the Old Testament. You can look at uh, when Moses was leading the children of Israel into the promised land. He sent 12 spies in in Numbers chapter th 13. It says, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. It says, but the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed and said, we can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. And I've just learned that you can either live a we can life or we, uh, you can live a we can't life. But the choice is yours. Why? Because your words will lead your Life, And I'm not talking about positive talk, and I'm not talking about self-help. I'm talking about how your words literally become the prophecy of your life. If you speak death, the, the Bible tells us the power of life and death is in our tongue. If you're constantly speaking words of death, you know what you're going to get in your life? You're going to experience a lot of death. But if you choose to speak words of life, you know what's going to happen? You're going to start encountering a whole lot more life because there is power in your tongue. That's why I, I wrote it down like this. We shape our words and then our words shape us. 
We shape our words. In other words, we have a choice to make in the words that we use. And as we begin to speak those words, they begin to shape the atmosphere of our life. So your words, what they do is they lead your life. And I just want to get deep inside of you today, whether you're watching online or you're right here in this room, that man, your words, they are leading you to places that a lot of you are very, very unhealthy places that you should never be in. They're leading you to places that, that are, are, are places that God never wanted for you to ever even discover. But because of the words that you're speaking, they're leading in a direction in your life. And here's the deal. I get it. The environment you grew up in, the, the neighborhood, the household that you grew up in, they were negative. They were demeaning. They were demoralizing. They never spoke words of encouragement. They were constantly being discouraging. And that's all you've known. And that's all you've experienced. And that's all you've been through and I know that that has been your past but it does not have to continue to be your presence why because you get a choice and I'm just telling you here today if you want a different direction in your life you've got to work look at the words that you are speaking in your life why because your words will lead your life number two your words will wreck your life your words can wreck your life not only where your will your words lead your life but they can also wreck your world, they can tear it down. Verse five, it says, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. And I would say in our day and age, it's not only our tongue, but it's our thumbs. Listen, you don't have to say something verbally to say it. Come on, we live in a generation where we've got a lot of talkers online. Man, they would say things online that they would never say in person. I love the Mike Tyson thing. Like, people say things that would normally get them punched in the face. You know, it's like online. You just feel invincible. But your words are still powerful because why? They're words. He says, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. It's, James is saying, with a tiny spark, you can burn down an entire forest, but with a tiny word, you can wreck your entire world. Like, your words can wreck your world. And he's trying to get us to go, man, you got to get control of this thing called your tongue. And here's the deal, though. We live in a society, and we live in a day and an age and a culture that encourages a comment. Everywhere you look, it's like this, comment on that. We feel obligated today to comment on the comments. And we think for some reason we need to say every single thing that we're thinking. Like, I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. No, keep your mind. Some of y'all have lost too much already, giving it away. I need every bit of my mind that I can get. Especially as I get older, it seems to be slipping out a lot more. And James is saying, it's just like a little spark can set a whole forest on fire. So can a word, and we should have learned this over the last 18 months to two years. How a small world can wreck and destroy. And I've watched one word ruin people's integrity that they built their entire life building. 
Because in one moment they were flippant. In one moment they weren't processing the impact of that word that they spoke. And everything they had built their life on was boom, gone in an instant. I've watched one word destroy a marriage. I've watched one word destroy a relationship. Some of you have experienced one word at work costing you your job. Why? Because our words matter. And James is saying it's about controlling, it's about bridling, it's about taming this thing in your mouth that can get so out of hand and can wreck your world. And James is saying, man, you gotta be aware of this. You gotta be aware that everything that's going through your mind does not have to come out of your mouth. Like, you don't have to give everybody a piece of your mind. Like, you don't always have to respond to every headline that's out there. Let me just tell you something. Uh, it, it, there was a season of our church where it seemed like every week somebody was walking up to me and going, Pastor, are you going to respond to this? Are you going to respond to what's happening here? What's happening here? Did you see that? Or how are you going to respond to that? And I would go, no. I'm not responding to anything. Well, why aren't you responding? Because the Holy Spirit hasn't told me to respond. Because if I told everybody what I, everything I was thinking about, you know what would happen? Is one week half of our church would leave, and then the next week I'd get the rest out. <laughs> Why? Because everything that's going on up here is not holy. In fact, a lot of it, it would be really bad if a pastor ever said, <laughs> I just... That's why Proverbs 10, 19, too much talk, you know what it leads to? Sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Some of y'all need to write that verse down. It's like a life verse right there. What'd you learn at church? Shut up, Proverbs 10, 19. It's my life verse. You think I'm joking. In other words, what it's saying, keep talking long enough Keep going in that conversation, it's gonna end up in sin. It's talking about duration. It's why you don't have to respond to everything. It's why you don't have to say everything that you're thinking out there. But he also says, be sensible. I think it's not just about duration, it's about direction. Listen, you don't have to say everything that you're thinking, but you need, do need to say something, but you need to take it to the right person. And I would submit to you that everything that's going on up here, the first place you need to take it is you need to take it to God and go, God, is this holy? God, does this actually align with how you think or is this just my opinion? Because let's be honest, we have a lot of opinions that we perceive as God's word. But last time I checked, I'm not gonna say never mind. <laughs> I'm just gonna hold back there. I did, it's one of those moments, I don't need to say everything I'm thinking. Like, we would be a whole lot better as people if we go, God, does this actually honor you? What if we did this? What if, because I think our world would be better if we pass negatives up and we started passing praise down. Because in our society, it's the opposite. If we have a negative, what do we do? We tell everybody. And then we tell their mama too. But the praise, it goes nowhere. Like praise does not sell. Good things don't sell. They don't make headlines. Maybe we shouldn't be making headlines. Maybe we should be making a difference with our words. 
which means all those, and I, I think this is a principle, if, if you're a parent, if you're a business owner, if you're in friendships, listen, you pass neg negatives up, which means you take it to somebody that can actually do something for that problem. Like you take that to somebody that has the authority to make a difference, or you take it to God who is the ultimate authority. Because if you're taking that, that negative thing sideways or down, you know what the Bible calls that? That's called gossip, which is a totally different sin that we're not talking about today. So what would happen, what would change in our life if we took negatives up and we passed praise down to people with that tongue? Number three, my words reveal my heart. Verse nine, it says, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. So at the same time, we're, we're singing everything in the name of Jesus, everything in the name of Jesus, I hate my boss. Right? So what this just said, and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. He says, it's not right. God, you're so good. I hate you. Jesus, you're my everything. Can you believe what they did? Such an idiot. He's saying, man, how, how are we praising God with this tongue and tearing others down with the same exact tongue? Saying, this is not right. And then he asks this question. He says this in verse 11. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. What he's doing here is he's giving us this contrast that are impossible to put together. He's saying, man, the reality is, is the source is not your tongue. The, the problem isn't your tongue. It's something so much deeper than that. See, the problem isn't my tongue. The problem is my heart. See, the, the problem isn't, you know what? I just need to bite my tongue. No, no, no. The problem is, is you need to change your heart. The problem isn't I need to tape my thumbs down so I don't, I don't write that anymore. No, no, no. The problem is, is you need to fix your hearts. You don't have a thumb problem. You don't, you don't have a word problem. What you have in your life is you have a heart problem. So how do I fix my heart? Verse 7, he says this. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil and full of deadly poison. So here's the deal. You can't fix it, all right, right? I mean, that's what he says. He says, you can't fix it. You, emphasis added, can't fix it, which is why we need God. It says no one, other versions say no person, no human, can fix it, it's why we need God. This is the difference between Christianity and every other major world religion. We believe that we have a God that has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out, not the outside in. See, every other religion tells you, you know what, you just gotta work harder, you gotta grind a little bit more, you gotta be a little bit more diligent, and then maybe just then you'll get changed. And God says, no, 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 that's not how I work. What I do is I transform you from the inside out, not the outside in. 
That is the difference between me. And so how do I fix my tongue if it's a heart problem? Like that becomes the ultimate question. If the heart is the issue and this is the byproduct of it, how do I fix all of that? Number one, you have to invite God to change your heart. You have to invite him to change your heart. Jeremiah 24, 7, I will give them hearts that recognize me as the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God for they will return to me wholeheartedly. Your transformation won't come because you tried harder, because you turned over a new leaf, because you worked harder. I should say this instead of this. I should do this instead of doing that. No, no, no. It's going to come because you go, you know what, God, I need you to transform me from the inside out. I need you to come and work on me here. God, I've got a foul mouth. Transform my heart. God, I've got hatred. Transform my heart. I love this prayer that David prayed in Psalm 51. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a royal spirit within me. Here's the prayer. God created me. Renew, transform my heart. Give me a new heart. And what will transpire is new words will start to come out. Here's a prayer that all of us should be praying in Psalm 1914. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. How would your life change if you woke up every day and you just said, you know what? This is going to be my prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, notice that those things are connected. Like, because whatever is meditating in your heart is eventually going to come out of your mouth. And so what if you started going, you know what, I want this connection to be happening, and here's what I want them to be. I want them to be pleasing to you, God. God, I want you to be at the center of it because I realize, God, that you are with me in every word that I'm speaking. In every moment I'm encountering people, you are right there with me, and I want the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be pleasing to you, God. How would it change your conversations that are happening on there? Number two, you gotta put a filter on what I allow into my heart. Not only do I have to invite God into that situation, into that space, but I have to put a filter on what I allow into my heart because I don't know if you know this or not, but you have two gates that allow access to your heart. And most people don't realize this. There are two gates that allow access to your heart. One of those is your eye gate and the other one is your ear gate. And here's the problem for a lot of us. Most of us have left the gates to our home wide open. And we're allowing whatever wants to, what through our eyes and through our ears, to enter into the home that is called our heart. It's what we're listening to. It's what we're watching. It's what we're taking in. And we think, man, it's, it's not just going in and going out. Man, it's making its way down into our heart. And I know some of you guys are going to give me pushback and go, you know what, TJ? I'm just, I'm just perusing. I'm just looking at this stuff. That is not impacting me. I'm just telling you right now, the heat is being turned up on you by the enemy and you don't even know it. He's so subtle that, man, you're just sitting in there like the frog in the water, and he's just dialing you up, and you think, man, this isn't impacting me, and you are getting fried. Oh, man, what I'm listening to doesn't matter. Like, I, 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 
What are, this, the songs that are like, you know what? I just like the, the beat, not the lyrics. But you can tell me every lyric. I know this is old school preaching right here. Those lyrics are foul. They're demeaning. They're demoralizing. What are you allowing in? Well, Pastor, I, I, I just like watching the evening news. Well, how much of it are you taking in? Because a lot of times you sound more like that news anchor than you do Jesus. I'm just, I'm just saying put a filter on it. If Beyonce said put a ring in it, I'm just saying put a filter on it. Matthew chapter 12 says this, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Where did that come from? I didn't mean to say that. No, 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 the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Some of y'all are saying things and you think, man, this is just random comment. Where did that come from? No, 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 the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Because here's what I know. If I walk around with a glass in my hand and, and you bump me, where does the water come from? It comes from the top of the glass. Like it didn't come from the bottom. You're like, oh, that must have been hidden down there in that corner. No, no, no. It comes from the top. Because here's what I know. When your life gets squeezed, oh, sorry, my bad. He's getting notes done right now. He's getting notes done. He was taking notes. That did not go as planned. <laughs> you get squeezed, right? <laughs> Y'all, like, please don't squeeze that again. <laughs> the stuff that was on the bottom is still there. It's what you're full of that comes out. Here's why. It says a good man brings the good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings out the evil things that are stored up in him. And if you aren't filtering what's coming in, then you will unknowingly and unwillingly allow things that you would never perceive to be in your heart to fill up your life. And James is just saying, when you're surprised that something just came out, that shouldn't be a surprise. It shouldn't catch you off guard because of what you've been allowing in your eye gate and your ear gate that's making its way down into your heart. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else. It's a pretty strong statement right there. Above all, uh, uh, above my career? Above my, 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 my education? Above my relationships? Above my income? Above my hobbies? Above my friendships? He says, above all else, guard your heart. 
Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything flows from your heart. So he says, guard your heart. Guard what you're letting in your mind. Guard what you're seeing. Guard what you're hearing. Guard who you're surrounding yourself with. Why? Because eventually it gets to your heart and everything in your life is flowing from your heart. Your attitude flows out of your heart. Your perspective flows out of your heart. Your words flow out of your heart. Whether you speak life or you speak death flows out of your heart. Whether you're encouraging or discouraging flows out of your heart. Anger comes out of your heart. Bitterness comes out of your heart. Love comes out of your heart. Purity comes out of your heart. Guard your heart because everything else flows out of it. He says put a filter on it. Number three, decide to speak words of life. Why? Because you choose, you choose, you choose what you say. And for some of us, this will become a discipline before it becomes a natural habit in your life, which means that you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to really contemplate before every word comes out of your mouth because you're, you're gonna have to be like Paul where he said, I beat my body and I'm making my slave. Some of y'all are gonna have to beat your tongue and make it your slave so that you, after you have preached the gospel, after you've spoken, you will not be disqualified for the prize. That is the goal for all of us here. And so I just wanna give you some areas that I think we should be speaking words of life. One of those areas is, is I think we should be speaking words of affection. Words of affection. Matthew chapter three it says, at this moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and aligning with him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Jesus and the Father had constant communication. There's two times in Scripture where it actually shows what God was saying to the Son. In the two times that God spoke to the Son audibly for other people to hear, he said the exact same thing. He said, this is my son whom I love, and with him, I am so proud of him. Yeah. What is that? that? That's words of affection. As I was thinking about this, it says that, that God and Jesus were, were on the same wavelength continuously. God and Jesus were constantly talking. I don't think that this was, a, this was just a two-off times that, that God said this. I believe that every time Jesus spoke to his father, he heard his father say, man, you are my son, and I'll love you. And I'm so proud of you. And there's so many of us that have a hard time giving love away. The Bible tells us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Here's what I know is, somebody will, you get in a relationship, especially with guys, start to become good friends and one of the guys will take the step to give some words of affection, he'll be like, man, I love you, bro, and the other guy will be like, what? Don't get weird on me. 
You got to get good at speaking words of affection. Telling people, I love you. It's a game changer. So many people need to hear that because they haven't had a father or a friend or a, a mother or a sibling. Give them that affection that they need. In fact, I just want to look right here at a camera right now. Maybe you're watching online. I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I'm proud of you. I want you to know that you're doing better than you think you are. And you're like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you did this week or what you accomplished or didn't accomplish. But here's what I know is you made it to church online right now. And I'm proud of you. You're doing better than you think you are. I love you. You're my church family. Some of y'all are like, this is my first time here. Well, you're here. You're my family now. I love you. Mark, man, I love you. You can be weird at times, but you are one of the most faithful, most caring, most faith-filled people I know. I love you. Charles. Chuck, as other people call you. I call you Charles. I like your full name. I love you, man. I love that I can just hang out with you and not be a pastor, but I can just be TJ. Now you love me back when I'm TJ because nobody else really likes him. <laughs> Besides Shayla, and I love you too. <laughs> Gotta get good. Words of affection. How about words of praise? I'm not talking about the praise that God only deserves. I'm talking about what Proverbs 25, 11 says, like golden apples in silver settings. So a word spoken at the right time. It's a word that's spoken at a right time. It's a beautiful thing when people get praise. What praise is, 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 is it's, it's about who they are, not what they do. What if you walked into your place of business tomorrow or your office that you work at or that company that you're a part of and started just praising people for who they are, not what they're doing, but man, you're so kind and always caring, man. Thank you so much for always being a light in this place. What would the atmosphere what that business look like for the rest of that day? How about this one? Words of encouragement. It's what I hope to do every weekend. What, what is it, encouragement is, is I'm putting courage in you. It's what I hope to do is, and I hope that you would do that in other people. I'm gonna put courage in other people. Ephesians 4, 29 says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. What if you just took this one verse out of all the verses this weekend and you just applied it? Like, I'm not gonna say anything this week unless it builds somebody up, unless it makes them better. 
How would that change the world around you? I'm gonna speak words. What would that look like in your home, parents, if you just decided, you know what, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna speak words of encouragement to my children. Here's what I know is everybody needs a little building up in life. But Pastor Gita, what if they get a big head? Listen, if you knew the conversations that were going on in their head, you would never hold back from that encouragement. Because the negativity that's passing through here, that a little bit of encouragement out there might, just might, overcome that and build them up so they can be inspired to be a little bit better that day. How about words of healing? Proverbs 15, 4. Kind words are good medicine. What if we decided in a society that is all about mean words, divisive words, hateful words, we decided, you know what, I'm gonna bring people good medicine. Because listen, the, the thing that we're battling right here in, in our society today, the, epi, the pandemic that we're facing is not COVID-19, it's depression, it's anxiety, it's the things that are rattling around in people's head. That's, that's, the, bigger, that's the bigger issue that we're not talking about and we have the medicine as Christ followers to help them heal. The Bible tells us it's the goodness of God that draws all men to repentance. It's the kindness of God that draws them. It's our kindness that heals them. How about words of faith? Romans chapter four, verse 17. This is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I've made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. In other words, Abraham had this, the faith to see things that weren't as though they were. What if you just determined, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak faith into people's lives. Like, I, I, I'm gonna see things in people that they don't see in themselves, and I'm gonna begin to speak those things over their life. I'm not gonna hold it in and go, oh, I'm gonna pray for them. No, no, no. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna come to you and go, you know what, Brian, I see something more than you just running an alcohol business. I see you pastoring people. I see you changing people. I see you transforming people. Even though that looks really sexy on the outside, this will change more lives on the inside, and I promise you, you take that step, it will change everything. I'm not talking about flippantly saying things. I'm talking about like getting real and seeing the best in people that they cannot see in themselves and then beginning to speak it out. My challenge for us, Coastal Community Church, what if people looked at us and said, you know what, that place, that place is known as the most life-giving, encouraging, healing, loving, praising people of affection that I've ever encountered in my life. I don't know what they're smoking, but give me some of that. Probably not a great use of drug reference right there. I apologize, people watching online. But how would it change the world around us? I'm not talking about texting somebody something. I'm talking about, no, 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 we went and work and we changed the atmosphere because of how we lived. We walk into our home, the atmosphere changes because of the words that are being spoken in our life. We show up at midnight at Walmart, we change the atmosphere of that place. Because every person we encountered, encountered somebody that was speaking words of life 
See, there's power in your tongue, but the tongue isn't the problem. It's our heart. And the way we change our heart is we invite God into this space. And then we have a part to play. We have to put some filters on some aspects of our life. And as we filter those aspects, we have to make a choice. And the choice is we're going to speak words of life. And it may be a little bit different. It may be a little bit awkward at first. But what would happen? Here's what I know, church. It starts in here. And it moves from here to out here. And if you don't like what's happening out here in your life, then you need to come back. You need to start to check out what's happening in your hearts. Because it's out of your hearts that everything else flows. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Here's what I know is that you can't change your heart without the help of God. And the starting point for some of you may not be to invite God just to start moving in this aspect of your life or to put some filters on some things in your life or even to just start being positive with your words. It may be that you have to actually invite God into this space called your heart for the very first time. And when you invite God in, he doesn't come to take up a corner seat. He comes in to take over. In fact, that's what he's been all about. He wants to not only be your savior, but he wants to be your Lord. He wants to lead God and direct your life. Not because he wants to take over, but because he loves you so much. In fact, he loved you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to this earth to live a perfect life, the life that you and I, we could not attain on our own. And he died a sinner's death, the death that you and I deserved so that we could experience life, like this full life we're talking about, and even in more abundance than we can even ask, think, or imagine. The Bible actually says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, then we will be saved. And God's ultimate goal is that we be reunited with him because our sin, our mistakes, our words, they've separated us from God. And God wants us to walk with him, following him. And maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, you need to invite him to not only be in your heart, but to lead your life. It begins with a simple yet significant prayer that I'd love to give you the opportunity to pray here today, whether you're watching online or you're right here in service. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, if you would say, you know what, Pastor TJ, I need to make that decision to follow God for the first time or the first time in a long time and surrender my will and my way to him. If you just slip your hand up at the count of three, I'd love to pray with you. One, two, three. Yes, ma'am, I see you back there. Yes, three, four, five, six. Who else? Seven, yes, ma'am, I see you. Thank you. Eight, yes, sir, I see you. Anybody else? If you just pray this prayer in your heart as I prayed out loud, say, God, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to pay the price that I could not pay. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all of the unrighteousness, the mistakes that I've made. I ask you to come into my heart, take over my life, to lead God and direct me all the days of my life. I surrender all to you. 
God, will you come in and fill my hearts, make my cup overflow with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience. God, help me to follow you all the days of my life and help the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth, God, be pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.